we often have the tendency to think, what if God was doing something big? What if revival was happening, right? Don't we get into that pattern of thinking, we wish something good was happening. And sometimes it's easy to look around us and see a lot of um, progressive moral depravity. We see things spiraling out of control and we get the impression that, that nothing good is happening anywhere, don't we? And it's easy, too, from our own personal evangelism evangelism to think, gosh, I wonder if anybody's seen any fruit, because I haven't seen anybody come to Christ in a long time. And it's easy to start wondering, is God even doing anything worldwide? So we wanted to start by directing you to this website. It's Great Commission 2020, and you can see live decisions being made for Christ worldwide right now. Today there have already been over 14,300 decisions for Christ around the globe, just on this one evangelistic website. This one is uh, is everystudent.com and a host of different websites like that that are in languages all across the planet and they're being advertised in different countries so different people can hear the gospel and they can talk with somebody live if they have questions, they can chat with somebody and then they can make a decision to trust Christ right there. A lot of those end up wanting to be discipled and in fact there have been over 2,400 that have uh, wanted to be discipled already today. It's only 9.30 in the morning. So this is exciting stuff. Today, on this planet, 174,000 people are going to make a decision to trust Christ. It'll be the same tomorrow and the next day. That's, If I'm not mistaken, it's over a million a week, guys, that are coming to trust Christ worldwide. That's exciting, right? That's exciting. And we get to be part of that here. In the United States, the body of believers is actually decreasing every year. Whereas around the world, it's increasing rapidly. And the reason it's decreasing here, I think, is because a lot of times we've come to the conclusion that, that we're a Christian nation. I don't really need to share. And the statistics are unbelievable. The statistics are that maybe 2% of Christians actually share their faith. And so our hope today is to give you some tools and some resources and a little bit of encouragement. And hopefully you guys will take that and defy those odds and become the, the small or, or the powerful minority that will make a difference for Christ. And we'll catalyze some of this right here in Cortez, right? Isn't that what we want to see? Okay, so that's what we're going we're gonna to get into today. And as we get started, I wanted to go right back to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You can turn with me if you want. And here is, this is my little pocket Bible now. But turn, turn with me to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is what we call the Great Commission. 28, last chapter of the book, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Alright, did you get that? Okay, so whose responsibility is the Great Commission? Going into all the world, making disciples of all nations. Whose responsibility is it, do you think? <laughs> wrong. Well, not always wrong. I mean, it is Paul's responsibility. But who else is called to fulfill the Great Commission? We are. Yeah, we are. But I would say that's wrong, too. I mean, it's true. But who else, guys, is called to do the Great Commission? 
I am. You got it. Yeah, it's me, right? Sometimes, uh, you got, and you guys hit it right, it is the pastor's responsibility, and it is our responsibility corporately. But I think we each need to come to the conviction that this is a call from Jesus Christ, my Savior, to me individually. He has called me to actively be involved in fulfilling the Great Commission, right? With my time, talent, and treasure here on this planet, with a short amount of time that I get to live here. So I am called to it. You guys all agree with that? It's my res- Okay, I want to hear you say it. On the count of three, it's my responsibility. Okay? One, two, three. It's my responsibility. Awesome. Okay, and with that, guys, Brandon is going to go through our first activity. We're going to do a lot of activities today, so I hope you have a pen. Follow with us. We're going to go to activity number one, and Brandon's going to take it from there. Okay, so looking at activity number one, I just want you to glance at those ten uh, boxes and just quickly glance over and check any of those that are true, or that you believe are true. So starting from the top, we have evangelism is mostly for those with that gift, that spiritual gift. And then we have you have to make the gospel relevant. It is best to befriend someone before sharing with them. You have to earn the right to be heard. Uh, Evangelism should be geared towards the poor. There's God doesn't want us to offend everyone. Methods are what produce results. There's the quote, preach always and use words if necessary. Uh, Older people are stuck in their ways and are less likely to trust Christ. And then most people aren't interested in hearing the gospel. So if you believe any of those are true, just go ahead and give them a check mark. Okay. So um, that is a little bit of a trick because none of those are true. So, uh, we're going to go over why real quick. So, looking at the first one, that evangelism is mostly peop- uh, for people with that spiritual gift. Uh, raise your hand if you believe that you have the spiritual gift of evangelism. <laughs> okay. Yeah, according to Barna, he's a Christian st- statistician. Uh, he, most people believe, only like 1% of the population believes that they have that spiritual gift. But according to what we just went over in Matthew 28, how many of you or how many of us are called to evangelism? Yeah, all of us. So it's not only for people with that spiritual gift, um, such as the spiritual gift of hospitality or giving. Um, What if I went to Nate and I said, Nate, I haven't eaten all day long. Can I have a dollar to go buy a hamburger or something? What if he's like, sorry, Brandon, I don't have the spiritual gift of giving. (laughs) Go ask someone else. (laughs) Or or what if I told Nate, Nate, everything I do feels like it's wrong. Nothing I'm doing is right. I'm just really down lately. What if he told me, sorry, I don't have the spiritual gift of of encouragement. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we're all called to it even if we don't feel like we have that gift. Uh, Moving on to the next one. You have to make the gospel relevant. Um, Well, God's pretty cool, and He made it to where our personality, our skill, our knowledge, looks and style and actions... um, Well, 
that's not all what makes the gospel relevant. Really what it is, is Christ made the gospel relevant. Uh, looking into 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, it says, God chooses the foolish and weak things to glorify Him. So, uh, yeah, so Christ validated the gospel on the cross. Um, the Holy Spirit through us will validate the gospel. We don't have to know all the answers, or we don't have to uh, make it super, super flashy in that. So, moving on to the third one. It is best to befriend someone before sharing the news with them. Um, just looking at the Great Commission, Jesus calls us to share with the whole world. And uh, how possible do you think it is for me to befriend the whole world? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you guys all want to get coffee later? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's not really the most practical thing. It really it does work. We can share with our friends. But um, sometimes we just don't have the time and the resources to befriend everyone first. Which is, that's pretty much okay. <laughs> and there uh, there are very few places in scripture where they befriend someone before they share the good news. Usually it's the very first thing they do. Hey, check out this Jesus guy, you know? <laughs> so, let's move on. Uh, you have to earn the right to be heard. That is the lie number four. So, uh, we don't have to earn the right ourselves. Jesus earned that right 2,000 years ago, and he claimed that he has all the authority to command us to share. That's the first part of the Great Commission. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So Christ gave all that authority commanding us to share the good news. So we don't really have to earn the right, which is pretty cool. Christ did that for us. We can move on to number five. It is predominantly the poor that we reach out to. Um... In Matthew 19, it just makes a note that the rich are lost too, and they're also included in sharing with the whole world. So that's pretty clear that um, it's not only the poor. We should definitely share with them, but not with them only. Everyone uh, needs a Savior (laughs) equally. So let's move on to line number six. God doesn't want us to offend anyone. Uh, Matthew 10.22, Christ makes a pretty cool promise. He promises us that men will hate us because of Christ. <laughs> so, it's pretty likely we're going to offend some people. 2 Corinthians uh, 2.16 We will be disgusting to some, but life to others. So, if we're just going around sharing the good news, the best news in the universe, if that's offensive to them, that's kind of between them and God. We're just called to share it with them. And yeah, so uh, it's God's gonna choose the ones that it's life to, and that's that's really good. So there's this quote from Gregory Crokel, and uh, he writes this in Tactics. He says Jesus's teachings make some people furious, just like it makes uh, sorry, just make sure it's your idea, ideas that offend people and not you, that your beliefs cause the dispute and not your uh, behavior. So, tell them the truth and love. Uh, live out your faith and stuff. But if it's your beliefs and the truth that offends them, there's not much you can really do about that. You still want to share the truth with them. Moving on to line number seven. Methods are what produce results. 
In Matthew 13, 1 through 9, Jesus said the amount of seeds sown is what produces results. So, the more seeds sown, the more results, the bigger the harvest. So, the more we share, the more people are going to hear the good news, the more people that are going to come to Christ. It's really good stuff. Uh, Moving on to 8. Preach always, use words if necessary. Uh, That's actually a misquote from St. Francis of Assisi. And uh, pretty much what I get out of that quote is, um, well, you can preach always, you can live a good life, but that's not necessarily what's going to share the truth with them. It should definitely go along with how we live. There are plenty of good atheists out there. There's good Mormons and good whatevers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to hear the truth and that's going to set them free. So good works are good, and God tells us to do them, but that's not necessarily evangelism. It definitely helps it, though. So words are very necessary. Uh, in Romans 10, 13 through 14, it really clarifies this up. Everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. How then can they uh, call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So that makes it really clear. We have to use words, and we have to preach the good news. So, it's a combination of both good news and sharing the words. So, moving on, uh, number nine, older people are stuck in their ways and won't trust Christ. Actually, it can be on the contrary. Um, Sometimes older people get, the more uh, they realize that they need a Savior, or the more maybe their dreams or plans for life didn't really go the way they thought. And, yeah, they just need uh, Maybe relationships have been broken. Maybe they've seen a lot of pain in their life. So definitely the gospel is just as relevant to them as it is for younger people. So, moving on to line number 10, the last one. Most people aren't interested in spiritual interests or hearing the gospel. Well, Matthew 9:37 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So there's plenty of people out there that want to hear the good news. There's plenty of people ready out there to make a decision. But the workers are few. So uh, we, we just need to be the ones that go out there and do it. That's where the problem is. It's not that they're not interested. It's that no one's really reaching them. So Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that salvation of everyone who believes. So yeah, those are just ten really quick lies. And uh, I hope that the scriptures made those clear, that what the truth is. So Nate's going to go from here. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. I think it's so good when we, when we start thinking about evangelism to clear our mind of, of different things that maybe society has told us that would, that would cause us to not be obedient to what our Savior has commanded us to, right? And a lot of those lies, even if we don't just buy into them 100%, the fact that they're in the back of our mind, they can kind of... And kind of take away some of our, our passion for the Great Commission and for evangelism. Take away, unfortunately, uh, our obedience to our Savior, too. So it's good to just in, to get those out of the way. So next, we wanted to talk about the three modes of evangelism. And we're, you know, we're going kind of fast here today, guys. And so I really hope you'll go 
to, to these websites and get some more training on all this. There's a lot more there. And keep coming to Jeff's class because he's going to keep going through this stuff. You're not going to get it all this morning, and we don't, we don't have any pretension that we could answer every question today. Uh, it's just a short couple minutes. But on that note, before we go any further, is that email list getting its way around the room? You guys see it? Okay, so it's already done? Awesome. Wonderful. Okay, let's keep going. If you didn't get on the email list and you want to, to keep getting different uh, prayer requests and ideas and encouragements about evangelism and all that sort of stuff, please uh, let us know and get on that list. All right. As we continue going, I wanted to say never assume anything. There are probably people in this church that don't have a relationship with Christ that you see on a frequent basis. Uh, there are probably fa- family members, neighbors that maybe you assume are believers because maybe they go to church or maybe they don't, but maybe they're really nice people. And there are probably all sorts of people in your sphere of influence, maybe coworkers, that need to know Jesus. And it's easy for us to assume, ah, oh, gosh, they've probably heard a million times. And very likely, they haven't heard the full gospel laid out in a way that they can respond to it. And even if they have, I bet they haven't seen that lived out in somebody that they love, right? Or shared by somebody that they trust, like you are. If I told you this morning, Paul, if I said, hey, Paul, guess what? We just met this morning. So if I said, you know, before we got here, we found out they were giving away a million dollars at Burger King. We just went and got our coffees. And what, what, if everybody comes to drive through, they're going to give out a million dollars. How likely are you just to jump up and run out there? Well, I mean, you don't know me. You're probably going to think, you're out, you're out of your mind, Nate. <laughs> right? We just met. You're, you're, probably, you're probably not going to buy into that that quickly. But what I'm telling you guys is the people that are in your sphere of influence... Just like if Jeff were to tell you that, you'd be a lot more likely, especially if he showed you the check, right? You'd be a lot more likely to head over there, right? Because there's some trust there. So the people that are in your sphere of influence, God put them there for a reason. And I think that you have a position in their lives where you can really share the gospel. Again, going back to those lies, you don't have to share only with people you know, right? You can share with somebody you've never met. We got to share, we'll share with ideas, we got to share with Monsi at Burger King this morning, just briefly, because uh, it's a drive-thru, it's really quickly. But we'll probably never see her again. I've never seen her before, but we got to share. So you can share with people you don't know. But also, I want you to know, don't assume anything about the people in your sphere of influence, right? Trust that you're there for a reason to share the good news with them. So going further, guys, we wanted to introduce the concept of the three modes of evangelism because this is going to help you kind of categorize the different um, the different conversations that you might be having. Uh, the first mode of evangelism would be what we call the natural witness. Does that make sense? The natural witness is kind of what Brandon talked about a minute ago as far as like friendship evangelism. It's sharing with people that you already have some kind of a relationship with. Right? That's the natural witness. It's not the only kind of evangelism. You definitely should share with those that you already have a relationship with. We would call that the natural witness. The second mode of evangelism is called the body witness. That's when you bring somebody to church, right? That's when you bring somebody to a a retreat or a breakfast or a potluck or who knows what, maybe a Christian concert. But you're bringing your friends to some place where they're going to see the body of Christ being the body of Christ. And when they see the fruit of the Spirit coming out of the people in this room, that's very attractive. They can't help but see God in you. Jesus said that in John 13, 35, right? That they know us by the love that we have for each other. That's the body witness. So you have the natural witness, you have the body witness, but then you have what we call the ministry witness, the third mode of evangelism. And that's actually taking the initiative and the power of the Holy Spirit to, to trust God and share the gospel with somebody you've never met before, right? Or maybe you've met, but you don't have a very close tie with. 
That is probably one of the more difficult types of evangelism, right? It's probably the kind that most people don't like to do. But I'll tell you this, it's the way that we're going to scatter seed widely and and we got to share with people beyond our spheres of influence. And it's what we see mostly in Scripture. We, we usually see people sharing with people that they've never yet met. And it's the first thing they do. And in fact, last week I was doing a discipleship appointment with one of the freshman guys. And he tells me, he let this slip. Because I really have a problem with evangelism. <laughs> so the second somebody says that, we're going. <laughs> so <laughs> I told him, that's okay, I just listened for a minute. And he says, I, I think that once you share one, it's awkward. And two, you're going to destroy any possibility for a friendship with that person in the future. And I said, well, I'm glad to hear that. Let's go do it. And he goes, oh, make that noise. <laughs> and I said, we're going to go right now. And so we went and shared with this guy right then and there. The guy that we shared with, his name was Jake. And on the last email I sent, I sent out, I said, pray for Jake. And then five different football players. It was two different conversations. It actually happened twice that day. It happened with the second freshman, too. Kind of. He didn't say he hated evangelism, but I've been trying to encourage him to share with his roommate all semester. And he said, he said, I asked him, how's it going? He goes, I haven't got there yet, but my roommate's right over there sitting with all those football players. So let's go share with him right now. <laughs> so we got to do it twice. But here's what happened, guys. In both those situations, just sharing out of the blue with somebody we'd never met before, we had a great, fun conversation where we got to share the gospel clearly. Uh, a relationship got started. I didn't even know these people before. But at the end of that, we ended up having some common ground, right? One of those guys ended up showing up at our house Thursday night for dinner, right? For this Thursday dinner that we do every week. And so sharing with people that you don't know, it doesn't have to be awkward or weird. But oftentimes, it'll be the beginning of, a, of an authentic new friendship, right? And once you start on that, on that foundation of evangelism, guys, it makes it that much easier to continue sharing later, right? So those are the three modes, the natural, the body, and the ministry witnesses, right? And I want to encourage you that all three are important, and take the initiative to do that third, even though it's difficult. You're going to find that you're going to grow most, I think, doing that third one, right? And, and you're going to make some mistakes there, and God's still going to come through for you, but you're going to actually see some progress in your own life. And we're going to talk about a little more in a minute, but before we do that, I wanted you guys each to get that, that Knowing God Personally booklet, the little blue booklet. You can pull it out right now and look at it. We're going to talk about something called the four sound barriers. This is going to make every single evangelistic conversation you have make a whole lot of sense in your head. And it will give you kind of like a, a progress bar that you can gauge yourself against in every conversation to kind of determine where you're at. Using different tools, you can easily share your faith in any conversation, anytime. This is one tool that we like to use because it's transferable. You can share it, and then somebody that you go with can see you sharing it, and they could share it. We actually have multiple stories of non-Christians leading somebody to Christ with this booklet. It's bizarre. No joke, though. Yeah, where you share with a non-Christian, and he says, hey, thanks, not my deal. And you say, well, that's fine. Just keep it. Maybe sometime in the future uh, you'll be interested. You'll have it in your junk drawer, and you can pull it out and look at it. And then those non-Christians come back a few days later and say, hey, remember that little booklet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's not right for me. It's not right for me. But I shared it with my roommate because he's been depressed lately and he prayed that little prayer at the end and I think you, I think you should get in touch with him. <laughs> you know, We've actually had stories like that. Right? So it's, it's what we call a transferable tool. You don't have to be Billy Graham to use this tool. Right? Anybody could use it. 
But I wanted to draw your attention to the next page in your notes. You should have a whole lot on the benefits of using the Knowing God Personally booklet, how to use the Knowing God Personally booklet, or the KGP, we call it. Look at that link there. It says youtube.com slash watch question mark V equals F S M. It goes on. Anyway, if you go type that in, we have a 10-minute video that we edited very carefully to show you how to use this little booklet. So we filmed two of our leadership girls actually going through it together. One is actually role-playing as if she were a non-Christian. And you can see very well how to share this with somebody uh, that, that you're sharing the gospel with. And we have notes across the whole thing. Don't do this. Do do this. Watch what she does here. Things like, I'm just going to give you a little teaser. Uh, we say, he who talks first loses. Okay, so when you get to the end and you present them with an opportunity to put their trust in Christ, we say, after you ask them, be silent. And in the video, you'll see this long, awkward silence. And your tendency is to feel awkward. I don't like this silence. I'm going to jump in and talk for them. Don't do it, guys. Let the Holy Spirit work in their heart. They just heard the gospel. You just sit there. If it takes five minutes till they respond, you wait five minutes till they respond. We'll have little clues like that in that ten-minute video, though. So get on and watch it, and, and it'll give you a lot of... Um, a lot of ideas about how to share that effectively. And then read through the notes here. That second page has a whole bunch of notes on how to use the KGP booklet. It'll be really, really good. Okay, now I'm going to go on to activity number four. So if you have your pens, get these out because you're going to need them for activity number four. You guys all there with me? It's on the third page. It says check the three to five topics that you talk most about. Three to five topics that you talk most about. And just a heads up, as you're looking through that, there are now over 15,000 decisions today at Great Commission 2020. It's pretty exciting stuff, right? Okay. And, yeah, you guys all there at the activity? Okay. Page number three, it says activity number four, and it says check the three to five topics that you talk most about. Alright, now take a couple minutes and look through that list, I don't know, maybe 20 or so topics, and just check whatever ones you find yourself already talking about. If you're with your spouse today, you might ask your spouse, what do I talk about a lot, right? Because they'd probably be the best to tell you. Uh, If you're not, just kind of look through and be honest with yourself and check the three to five that you find yourself talking most about. Because what we want to do here, as you look through that list, is we want to learn how to bring Christ into conversations that we're already having. That's very, very easy to do. And we're going to actually give you guys some tools on how you can bring Christ up in conversations that are already happening naturally. So go through that list. read through them, and then we'll, we'll keep going. You, a lot of us talk about ourselves too much. Only the very honest of you will probably check that box. Uh, your stuff, your possessions, right? A lot of times we talk about what we own, our kids, spouse, friends, hobbies or interests, sports. How many of you have been talking about the Broncos lately? I have. All right. I heard a good joke as we keep, keep going. 
So how are the Broncos like possums? You guys heard this? They play dead at home, and they get killed on the road. <laughs> so. Thank you, Nate, for your presentation. <laughs> I'm a Broncos fan, too. It's killing me this year. But hey, you could even bring Christ into that conversation, right? You really could. Okay, so sports, celebrities, music, activities, your house, your politics, news, weather, work, complaints, TV, movies, gossip, vacations, holidays, pets, a cause, like for example environmentalism or animals, or I don't know what your cause might be, day-to-day routine, classes, town and community, Jesus, your church, ministry, social issues, travel, other people. I'll give you just a, a very vulnerable look into my life. When I went through this list last summer, when we came up with it for this evangelism training we were going to do, I realized probably I talked more about ministry than I did about Jesus. I started realizing, gosh, you know, maybe ministry is almost an idol to me over my own Savior. It's kind of a a convicting thought. So check what statements or what things you are talking most about. Now I wanted to to encourage you from there. We're going to get to how to bring Christ into those conversations. But analyze those. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you didn't check Jesus, right, look into your own heart and say, I guess evangelism has a lot less to do with duty and activity and a lot more to do with loving your Savior. Does that make sense? And if you love your Savior, you're not going to be able to stop talking about Him. Amen. Right? He's going to be coming out in every conversation. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So kind of analyze your own speech. And maybe today, instead of just saying, I need to learn more techniques... Maybe you need to, to be, be more passionate about your Savior. Amen. And from that, let Him naturally come out into every single conversation. But with that in mind, that's just a small encouragement I have that, like I said, for me was very convicting when I went through this list. I want to pass it off to Brandon, who's going to talk through the four sound barriers. These four sound barriers are going to be probably one of the most important things you could ever learn about evangelism. So pay attention, take notes, and they're going to bring you back to this list and how to bring Christ into conversations you're already having. So, so these are the four sound barriers, and we call it the four sound barriers because each step to the next barrier takes some initiative, and sometimes it's hard or scary or awkward, but they're how you get the conversation going from everyday conversations about weather or sports to getting all the way to the gospel and maybe even a presentation or a decision. So looking at the first sound barrier... This is at the bottom, right underneath that activity we just did. Okay. So, the sound barrier number one is just to meet someone and start a conversation with them. So, that's just the first sound barrier. So, that's as simple as, hi, my name's Brandon. Uh, I'm from Montrose. I'm going to school Fort Lewis. Just basic everyday talk, you know. Uh, what's your name? My name? So, that that's usually pretty... Uh, people can do that one, alright. Sometimes other people might have a challenge with that. Brandon, but if you if you want to learn how to meet new people, we have a video training on that under our ministry leadership training class resource under our resources tab at eternityimpact.com. If you just go to the website you'll find all this. But we have tons of ideas for meeting new people, which could help you a lot there. Yeah, so that's a great tool. Um, so moving on, we like to start with what questions? Um, that's just to find out more about them. So, what's your name? What do you do? What's your career? Uh, how's your family? You know, like, where are you from? 
So that's just, it's just a really good first part of the conversation, just to get to know a lot about people, just kind of building connections, getting to know about people. Uh, I've found out that people like to talk about themselves, so just, you know, ask them questions about themselves and just get it going. So that's the first sound barrier, and uh, sometimes that takes some initiative, you know, maybe if someone's on the other side of the room, you're like, ah, I should talk to them. Sometimes that takes some initiative, but, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can get courage for that, and uh, usually it goes pretty well. So after you meet someone and you're in a conversation, we like to go to the next sound barrier, sound barrier number two, and that is to a spiritual conversation. So you're just from a normal everyday conversation, you're now transferring over to the spiritual realm, and... We like to ask more what questions about their beliefs. Like, what do you believe? What does this mean to you? Just that kind of stuff. What's your experience been like? And uh, looking at the next bullet, then we use why questions. And we like to find out about how they came to believe what they do. How did you come to that perspective? If someone says, I don't believe in anything, just elaborate on that. That's not the end of the conversation necessarily. Like, why do you believe that? What does that mean to you? And, uh, you know, just asking them lots of questions about that. Uh, it's good to be gentle and kind and loving. Uh, just, you're not really, you don't really have to be a drill sergeant about, why do you believe that and this stuff? Just, you know, just be gentle and loving. Just be Christ-like. Just keep it flowing. So that's the second one, just the spiritual one, just to get to know about their spiritual background and all that. And then going on to the next page, we have the sound barrier number three. We're going to skip those activities on the top of that page. Um, the third sound barrier will be uh, getting to the gospel. So after you've met them, you're in a conversation and stuff, and then you ask them, okay, like, what's your spiritual background like? Uh, like what's your experience with all that, and what do you believe? Well, this sound barrier, getting to the gospel, is telling them, what Jesus had to say, what the Bible says, or you can maybe even say, can I tell you what I believe? So, uh, that bullet, we use leading questions to translate from the gospel, uh, from the conversation you're already having. And this question is awesome. Uh, I would underline this question. Uh, what has your experience been with Christianity? That's just a great, great transition question. People will tell you, you know, uh, what they've been like, everyone has a different story. They might say they grew up in a church or they have no idea what it is. But And then after they've shared what their experience has been like, you get to share uh, what Jesus has to say about Christianity and what the Bible has to say. It's really good. So, uh, yeah, so that's just getting to the gospel. And uh, just that tool that you guys just checked out, the KGP, It'll go through the gospel for you. That's a perfect tool. It tells about how Christ loves us, we're sinful, Christ bridged the gap between us and God, and then uh, the very end of that KGP packet gets to the last sound barrier. So that tool is an awesome thing. It goes through most of the sound barriers for us. Um, so moving on to sound barrier number four, that is to get to a decision. Because sometimes you might be sharing with someone and they might be really interested. You might share the gospel with them and they might just be awesome. You wouldn't really just be like, okay, see you later. 
I'm glad you just heard all that stuff. Um, our goal should always be to, uh, for them to get to a decision, for them, the decision to accept Christ into their hearts. And that's not always the reality. Every experience through these sound barriers is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So yeah. So the last barrier is getting to a decision. That's not always the reality. You know, sometimes you're at a drive-through and they don't really have, you don't really have time for that. It's not realistic, or maybe they're just not ready for that. But that's usually what we're going for. We're not just uh, we don't just want to talk about it. We want to change their lives. We want to introduce them to the Savior. And so, no gospel is uh, complete without asking them to respond to Christ's image. Uh, What does it mean to them? Uh, Try to always use the whole gospel and try to ask the person for a decision. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's that's the four sound barriers, and it's just a really good process, and it's really good when you're in a conversation. If you know what where you're at, you always know where the next step is and stuff, and it just kind of helps helps the flow going. So Nate's going to share an awesome tool that also gets through some of these sound barriers. Yeah, those sound barriers can be difficult. Meeting someone, getting into a conversation, then transitioning to a spiritual conversation, then transitioning to the gospel, then transitioning to actually asking them and inviting them to make a decision. Right? Those can be hard. What's that? Just a quick question. Uh, I, I... Respond to someone that's just had a horrible, horrible experience with Christianity. That the reason they're not in churches and not don't have a relationship with God is that you know maybe they think that all Christians are hypocrites and that you know they're they're no better than we are. I mean that's that's the conversation that I think I would have with them. Mm-hmm. And that happens all the time. Yeah. I would say number one, apologize to them on behalf of any Christians that have not lived a Christ-like example to them. That they need to see that you, as a believer, don't think that's good. Right? And so I'd say just be humble and apologize on behalf of those other Christians. And then I would invite them to consider Christ's claims and not uh, people's lives, right? Because the issue here is Christ and what he said. The issue is not how your friend lived that. Your friend might have been a terrible example of that, but your friend isn't Christ, right? So bringing them back to the gospel. We always want to bring them back to the gospel. And there's a, a principle of philosophy that you could write down. It's that we never judge a philosophy by its abuse. So you can't look at a Christian that's living a non-Christ-like life and say, oh, that's Christ, right? Because they, they are disobeying Christ's claims, right? So we always want to draw people back to what about a person that lives out Christ's message, right? What does that look like? So draw, show them that those Christians are not living Christ-like lives. That's not what Christ told us to do. Here is what Christ said. Look at Christ, right? And compare him to anything else you want, but he's got to be the focus of, of what we're sharing. That comes up, that's probably the most common question that you'll ever hear, though. But it's real easy to, to draw people back to Christ. Whatever question could ever come up, draw them back to Christ. Draw them back to Christ. Draw them back to Christ. Because he can stand on his own just fine, you know? Okay, we want to share this solarium tool with you. I brought about five copies today. I'm going to leave them with you guys if you promise to use them, Jeff. And you can have control over them. No, they cost us money, and so it is an investment in from our part in your ministry here, but it's one that we're super excited to make because uh, we think that these tools will open up more conversations than you can possibly imagine. Uh, they work phenomenally well. Uh, this tool is just a bunch of pictures, and, you, and you'll and have the questions there. You can either walk up to a friend like this, Hey, Brandon, 
My name is Nate. Do you have a few minutes for a, a quick survey? Or I might not know his name. I might say, hey, excuse me. Do you have a few minutes for a quick survey? Sure. Sure. Okay, great. What's your name? Brandon. Hey, I'm Nate. Well, here's the survey. I would give him the pictures, and then I could just say, pick a picture that represents how you uh, are your, your, your life right now. Okay. And then, and, so, and then he would pick one, right? And it's that simple, really. It's that easy. You could do this anytime. In fact, today I was thinking about wi fi in through video and just being out on the street and doing this. But you could do this with anyone. I, I mean, nobody has a problem with this. You might have somebody say, no, I don't have time. But they're not going to get offended, I don't think, right? And so the three questions are, there are five, but you can simplify and do three. You can just say, which picture represents your life right now? Which picture represents how you view God? And, and then why? Ask why after their answer. And then which picture represents your spiritual journey up till this point? Bell, we better get going. How long till the second bell? Five minutes. Woo. Okay, and so the point is here, guys, is it helps you transition through what? The first two barriers, right? You just met somebody, and you started talking. Uh, you met and started a conversation, and then got the conversation to a spiritual topic. That's simple. Now you just need to go through the next two barriers. So you're using a tool to get through the first two barriers in a non-awkward way. Does that make sense? It's a lot easier than if Paul just walks up to somebody and says, Hey... I'm a pastor. Can I talk to you about Jesus? That might go, no, I don't feel like it right now, Paul. Right? But instead, you're in a non-awkward way getting through those first two sound barriers. Then you could combine that with a tool like the Knowing God Personally booklet to get through the gospel and bringing them to a point of decision. So you're using two tools together to easily get through the full gospel and bring them to a point of decision in a very non-awkward way. This would be a form of ministry evangelism, right? Where you're actually going out and initiating a conversation with somebody you don't know. You could use this with friends, though. You could say, hey, I found this new conversation starter at church the other day. I thought it'd be fun to do. Maybe you could do this over Christmas or holidays, whatever. You could say, hey, let's go through this and see what you think. You could even tailor the questions to, to the conversation you're in. Which picture describes what you think about the holidays? Right? Be real simple. Okay, it's a great tool you have a few. We can talk about it more. But we are, uh, are going to try and get through this in time to keep going. So, I want to see where we're at. Okay. Taking this home, guys... Right at the top, you're going to see activity number six. I'm going to ask you to take that home. We were going to do it here. But you listed three to five topics that you were already talking about. And I wanted you to transfer at least three of those to the top of that page where it says topic. Write down your topic. And then take some time, maybe ask God to direct you to come up with some good transition questions to get from that topic to the gospel. Here is a great example. I love baseball. A huge baseball fan. If I find myself talking about baseball, I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan, by the way, because that's God's team. Just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, if I find myself talking about baseball, I'm often going to be talking about the Cardinals because that's who I love in baseball. And and oftentimes it's real simple to say, wow, my favorite player is Albert Pujols, right? Because he's amazing, arguably the greatest player alive, maybe in history. Who knows? But anyway, from there it's easy to say. But I respect a lot more than just his talent on the field. He is very strong in his faith. He's an outspoken Christian. And from, did you see how natural this transition to the gospel is? See, I could just be talking about something that's already coming up in my conversations and transition it back to Christ without it being awkward. You could do that for any topic you have. What was your knitting one? Uh, we were talking about... So we pra- there's that activity on here where we were practicing random topics and how would we do that transition. Someone said something about knitting. We have a student that's really into knitting. He said, well, you can talk about, uh, and the Psalms where it talks about 
God is together in the womb, you know, in our mother's womb. So God was pretty in, in, into knitting. <laughs> so, Brandon just came up with that off the cuff. It was a great example of how you could, in a funny way, but in a non-awkward way, transition it right back to the gospel, even if you're talking about knitting. Who knows? So you guys, using a little creativity and the Holy Spirit inside you, you can come up with some great transition questions and, and ways to get to the gospel from conversations you're already having. Right? Okay, so we just wanted to make sure that you got that chance to do that. So the Solarium tool is fun. The Knowing God Personally booklet is also a good tool. We're, we're going to close here with asking you to come up with a little bit of vision for reaching your sphere of influence. So you're gonna, I'm going to send some of this home with you. You're going to go back to the top of page 3. There it is. Okay, we're going to close this out right now. Come up with 10 different people that you would like to see in your sphere of influence come to know Jesus Christ. Okay? And make a commitment to start praying for them on a daily basis. We call this the divine order. First talk to God about people, and then talk to people about God. Right? But honestly, don't expect a whole lot of these conversations to be happening until you get a heart of prayer for those people in your sphere of influence. So take that home and start putting down ten names that you'd like to see uh, God work in their lives. And then second of all, go here. It says reach blank by blank. Put down three of those people off that ten, top ten list, right? And start coming up with a vision plan for reaching them, for taking the next step. On the next page, you're actually going to have a ton of different ideas. These all come off our website. The link is right there at the top. And you're going to see ways to share your faith, ideas for sharing your faith. So maybe come up with a few people you'd like to share with, and then an idea for how to reach each of them off that list. And you each have the testimony worksheet. It might be as simple as working through your testimony and being able to share that with them. And with that, Brandon's just going to close this out really quickly here. Alright, just super quick, uh, we like to always remember that it's all about application, you know, we can study all these stuff, but James 1, 122 says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So we just want to, we want to pray, we want to take the power of the Holy Spirit to share the good news, and uh, yeah, we just want to trust the Holy Spirit to get good stuff going. Uh, sh- sh- Does he have a minute to share a quick story? Make that really, yeah, make okay. that really fast. Just really quick, uh, we're at uh, Night Vision this last summer. It's a Christian concert in Olathe, Colorado. And we're sharing and stuff. And uh, all my friends were at the concert. You know, it was a really cool band. And I really wanted to go with them. But I felt like I really needed to go share. And I really didn't want to. I was really scared. And I really honestly didn't want to at all. But I, I knew, like, I should. So I just prayed that the Holy Spirit would fill me and give me strength and encourage me and just lead my conversation. And just super long story short, I met these three girls that I went through the KGP with them, that blue book. They just responded totally awesome. They were just so ready for it and just smooth transitions and they accepted Christ in the end, you know? So it came to me making a decision, should I... uh, should I be scared and just be led by the Holy Spirit and just trust God? Or should I just maybe put it off to the side and maybe do it later? So, yeah, I just would like to really encourage you with that. And that just really was a huge encouragement to me. So, yeah, thanks for uh, listening in on all this. And Nick can close it. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Keep looking at
some of those websites for more resources. I'm just going to pray and close it out. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd make this church so strong at sharing with this city. And God, I pray that you'd make uh, us strong at sharing with the campus of Fort Lewis. God, I pray that someday we'll be sitting in heaven thankful that we took risks for you on this earth, God. And that we made the most of every opportunity you gave us. We love you so much, Jesus. And as we talk about evangelism, we all want to remember right now what you did for us at the cross. We realize that this good news isn't just for other people, but man, it's the greatest news for us too. And we thank you for that, Jesus. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.